Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. Low sexual desire in females. How do we get females to want to look at that? It's the million dollar question, isn't it? For so many men. Might be up to a billion dollars, Lori. (laughs) It's the lottery for sure. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Hey, don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. Well, it is a a topic that I've been trying to figure out since I've been working in this field. And I know you've written tons about it and so have so much to contribute in these conversations. You know, my experience as a therapist is a lot of times when their communication and that emotional bond strengthens that sexual bond can strengthen along with it, you know, but I certainly work with a lot of couples where that's not the case and where that sexual desire doesn't come back online. Trying to bring attention to that really is, is what is going to make the process work or not. Women I know that are open to exploring what's going on, what's blocking them, what's like, if they're just go on that journey, I know that couple's going to be good to go, right? That they're kind of looking into it. They want to know themselves as a sexual being and what's kind of blocking their sexual being. And just that exploration is all it takes. But on the other hand, there are a ton of women I work with and men or regardless, but we're focusing on women on this episode that don't want to look at it, right? That they're blocked on going on a journey that it's all about focusing on other people, not on themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where the kind of gridlock comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got into sex therapy similarly because I was working with young couples who seemed to be sexually offline right, right at the beginning of their relationship. And it did feel this kind of drop in my stomach every time I'd get a call from a woman who said, you know, I just, I really never want to have sex again. I'd I'd be great if I never had sex again. And these were young women. They were premenopausal, but they just had this way of saying it. You know, I I don't care if I ever have sex again. That would just make my heart drop. And they would say that to their partners. You know, I mean, we're good, but I don't really care if we ever have sex again. And you can imagine the dismay Mm -hmm. that hits their partner like, what? You know, you you don't want to be sexual. You you don't have that drive inside. I mean, that's just, you know, like being drowned in a huge wave or something. Like, I I mean, it's just a terrible thing to hear. Right. So how do we bring attention to that in a way that's honoring but is flexible to really get 
couples to have a conversation to say, what's that low desire about? I have rarely felt blocked completely by that. I just know there's a way through. There's there's so many things that go on in her head. And what you said, her exploring herself sexually is certainly one avenue, one solution. And certainly what you said about, you know, if the relationship is disrupted and she doesn't feel emotional connection, she can definitely block there as well. But there's a lot of blocks that women go through and it's kind of a a puzzle. I just get really curious about what that means and what that's about. Sometimes I find out that she's actually very sexual, but she feels like her sexuality in some way was not received by her partner, was shut down little by little. There's, you know, he blocked it in some way, rejected her in some way. So sometimes there's other healing that needs to happen. And she did know herself, but you know, maybe she asked for something and he didn't give it to her or he thought she was wrong to ask for that. And then she's like, oh, forget it. You know, I, I'm not going to go there again. I mean, many times I think because we're so fragile in our sexual life to reveal something and be vulnerable to our partner about a wish or a desire, or a fantasy or, you know, whatever. And if we get rejected, we can make very critical decisions. I'm never going there again. Because when we're naked and saying this, you know, it, it can just be so rejecting and so painful, we shut down. And so I think women with low desire, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't ever want sex or can't want sex. To me, it's it's like their sex drive is clouded. It's not necessarily absent. Sex, sex drive is part of who we are. It's a life force. But something has blocked them. I love your image of a puzzle and just trying to get curious and try to help them figure out what's getting in a way of that life force. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't agree more that so many times these women are sexual. It's just kind of lost and kind of all the layers of protection that are developed. Mm -hmm. I guess I want to, let's play around with if I want to hear how you would get a woman who's presenting as I don't have desire. I'm okay mm -hmm. not having sex, which unfortunately happens over time when sex becomes something you just do for others and not because you want to have sex, right? There's mm -hmm. nothing like unfulfilling sex to train the body not to want to have sex. So you throw in a couple decades of that, mm -hmm. you know, it makes sense how women get to the point of saying, you know what, I'd be okay not having sex again. Right. Right. So how would you start that conversation? I'm going to be the woman who's like, you know what? I, I don't really want to have sex. I mean, I know my husband needs it. And when we have sex, we feel closer and it's good. But, you know, it's a whole lot of work up and a whole lot of, you know, pressure. And like, I could live without it. And I talk to a lot of my girlfriends who could live without it, too. And Oh, yeah. So. Help. Yeah. I talk to those girlfriends, too. <laughs> well, I just I, think they're uh, it's uh, it's incomprehensible to me. But so, I mean, you're talking about a woman who will do it for the sake of the other, but not for her own sake. And I you've said it maybe a 100 times on the podcast, right, that men want women who want to do it for themselves, because that's really 
they have accessed that life force and then you're not always responsible as the partner to instigate, to drive it. It's like the, the person has another drive inside. So certainly I, I get that. But this woman who's saying, I, you know, I, I do it, but I don't really care if I ever want to do it again. So I would, I would talk to her about many aspects, you know, first the physical experience. When you say you don't really want to do it, I, I want to know if she's having orgasms. And I also Can want to know. Can we role play it? Sure. You want to be a woman, honey? Yeah. <laughs> Touch my sensitive side. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm channeling a woman I was working with the okay. other day. So. Okay. Start off your questions. I don't, I'd be okay never having sex again. Okay. Tell me about what happens sexually for you. It, it, is it a great experience? Do you have orgasms? I would rather not talk it? about it. It's just... Okay. You know, we have a lot of other issues that I'd rather talk about, and sex is the least of my concerns. I, and I appreciate that, you know, you barely know me. We, we kind of, this is a sensitive subject. People don't talk about that. It is really tough to talk about. I, I have one little question for you. When you, do you not talk about it between the two of you either? Not really, because it always leads to a fight. Okay, so when you don't talk about it between the two of you, how does that hit your husband? Well, you'd have to ask him. Okay. So you're not sure how the the not bringing it up and the silence about it or kind of the avoiding it really lands in him? Like I said, we have so many things that we fight over. It's just it's pretty one low of them. on the list. And one of them. I'm sure he's not happy. Mm -hmm about it but mm -hmm. what else is no and is he the one that brings up sex he used to bring it up a lot not as much anymore okay okay and that was at some point a central issue that he would bring up this is more than one question true true so for you even entertaining the thought about talking about it is just you don't want to go there yeah that's right I don't want to go there Okay. I, I probably would at that point leverage her partner and just say, you know, I, I, I can see that this is really sensitive between the two of you. At least it's sensitive in your wife. Is this something that you used to bring up and you're satisfied with the way it is now or it's something that you used to bring up and and it was just no progress so you stop bringing it up because she's saying you don't bring it up as much anymore? So can we pause a second? Yeah. I really liked how you were able to kind of highlight, you know, trying to get me an invitation to start thinking about this. And so much of my strategy as a sexual withdrawer is to not want to engage in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So trying to sprinkle in emotional elements to that because that is what I do want to engage on. Mm -hmm. I think is a way to kind of get me more into the conversation. So I felt a little bit of pull there. Mm -hmm. But my strategy around wanting to not only avoid sex, but then I want to avoid conversations around sex too. Mm -hmm. Anything that might trigger sex, I get better at blocking over time. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's so much of the challenge when I'm working with a sexual withdrawal. They, they don't even want me to hold up the mirror in this area. 
because it does something to them. So how do we how do we do with what Laurie's trying to do, which is to kind of start bringing in the emotional elements to the sexual kind of you're shaking your head. I, I don't know. I don't ever get blocked that that badly. I mean, I can only think of one woman that blocked me. I have two women I'm working with now that refuse to talk about sex. Do not want to talk about it at all. And I say, I want to fight for you. I mean, I try every move I have. And both of them are very consistent in what, not wanting to talk about it. Then feel ganged up on. Maybe it's two guy things. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's easier for you as a woman. But mm-hmm. I think it is a real problem for a lot of women. It's not that they don't want to have sex. They also don't want to talk about having sex. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's the trying to get them to see the value of talking about it and leaning into it that I think I'm trying to explore. Okay, let's go back to the role play. Be her husband for a minute. I would leverage her partner at that point and just say, you know, your your wife here says that, you know, just really doesn't want to talk about this. And I know when people don't want to talk about things, most of the time it's a big pain point. And, and she said that in the beginning you maybe thought about it more and not so much anymore. Do you bring it up? So for you – is it more satisfying and that's why you don't bring it up? Or is it just like kind of so blocked that you don't bring it up anymore? Yeah, it's, it's totally blocked. We don't have sex anymore. We don't talk about having sex. We're like roommates. Mm. How is that for you? It's, it's not working. Okay. I know that. And I appreciate you telling me that. And, and that's tough. Let me go back to Susie, if that's okay. Sure. And, and Susie, this is what your partner is saying, that it's, you know, that there's just this huge block. And I guess that's what you're saying to me, too. I, It's so blocked, I can't even think about talking about it with you, Lori. And I, I just want to say, you know, there's a lot of reasons sex gets blocked. Sometimes we we don't get what we need. Sometimes emotionally, we're just so disconnected, we can't even fathom as women to want to re-engage sexually with somebody that we don't feel any other kinds of connection with. And, you know, sometimes we've been shamed and sometimes our upbringing has something to do with it. Sometimes our bodies, we hit menopause and that, that inner calling toward it kind of slows down and I just want to say I, I'm sure there are really good reasons that you have for not wanting to talk about it. W- would you be willing as we go along at some point? You know, maybe after you feel a little safer in this process and to think about it with me. Maybe we even think about it together outside of this. I mean, I appreciate you seeing I probably have good reasons for it, but every time this comes up, I, it makes things worse, so... Mm. I just don't see the point in it. But mm-hmm. again, that's why we're coming here. So I'll do the best I can with it. Yeah. Yeah. If every time it comes up, it makes things worse. Who would want to talk about that? Who would sign up for that? Yeah. It's, that is really rough. Uh, can you tell your partner, you know, I I don't want to talk about it because I'm afraid it'll make things worse between us. I think he knows that, but yeah, I don't want to talk about sex because anytime we do, it makes things worse. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's even that, you know, is, is more direct sometimes for people than 
shutting down or walking away or saying nothing. It's like you have, you're telling him, this is the reason it's going to blow up and not talking about it is my strategy to keep us a little calmer. So I, I hear that. And thank you for saying that, you know, so, I mean, we just let's, chip away. Let's come back and process what just happened in this little role play. Okay. Oh my God. Yes. They are doing some great cutting edge things, Laurie. They are. They're doing new research and they've done a study with over 2,000 women. And I mean, it's peer reviewed, it's published research, and it's basically all about women's pleasure. So we are wanting you to try out OMGYES, oh my God, yes.com. Basically, what they show is five minute techniques so that you can learn in a very simple, tasteful, crystal clear demonstration with graphics about how to make it better for her. It's cool. There's no judgment, no shame, just straight up information. Exactly. And it's state of the art. It's infographics. I think the cool thing about this site is they really care about teaching language, which is all about what we're doing, teaching openness to couples about how to make it better for her, how to make her climax, really. So exciting to partner, Lori, with people who are pushing the same mission, right? Exactly, it is. And we would love for you to go to ohmygodyes.com slash foreplay to learn about what they've done that's new. You get a discount if you're a foreplay listener, omgyes.com slash foreplay. It's a one-time payment. Love that. You don't have to keep paying. And you get all of their research, all of their films on basically how to make it good for her. Go get it. We'd just love to invite you to our Great Sex, Great Love Couples Retreat on Friday, October 28th, 2022, 10 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. George and I are really going to help you apply what you learn in the podcast to your relationship. So if your marriage or partnership is functional, but it's not that exciting, or you want to deepen that connection and really improve your intimacy or, you know, make sex something that isn't just a check off your list and try to bring the sizzle back, please join us. We are going to spend a whole day enhancing your relationship and intimacy, dealing with the cycle, making it safe for you to talk about desire, talk about the actual sex acts that you're doing. Also express what's going on in your mind, body and heart and your spirit to find deeper sexual connection with each other. That's October 28th. You can find it on foreplaysextherapy.com under our resources to sign up now. So I think that was really great as being a sexual withdrawer. You're starting off connecting with me first to good, honoring the function of me not wanting to talk about sex. It's one thing not to want to have sex. It's another not, not want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. But if talking about it, every time it happens, it leads to a fight. It leads to me feeling bad about myself. It leads to wouldn't it make sense why I don't want to have those conversations? And I think that's a critical starting point when working with a sexual withdrawal, really appreciating the math behind these conversations. And they're not trying to be difficult or cold to their partner. They're just trying to protect themselves. And I think you trying to honor that kind of made me a little bit more open. Really, we got to get the buy-in of that sexual withdrawer to, to see the value in having these conversations. If we push them into it, we're just doing what the sexual pursuer does all the time. 
Sure. And we're going to run into the same blocks sure. and the same defenses. So I really appreciated you doing that and me feeling a little bit more open. Yeah. As a therapist, I have a little more leverage because I'm outside of the fray. You know, I, I'm not having that repetitive fight. I can support her and honor her about not wanting to go forward and I can say to him, you know, I get it. It's painful. Wow. Not to be able to even talk about sex. And he's shut down completely. And it's he's saying, you know, that's not working. You know, so I can hear both things. But I think as a partner, what would you do if your partner were that shut down sexually? Wouldn't be easy. And when we work with the emotional cycle, we don't tell the emotional which are, well, it's okay if you don't have to talk about these things. Right. Right, we find a way of getting their buy-in, getting their value. Mm-hmm. So we gotta let's let's continue this role play, Lori. Let's say you got a little bit of okay. my openness. Okay. Now how do you get me to want to talk more? I mean, sex is a long ways away. But getting me to start talking about sex and having success talking about it, I think is what's gonna kinda get me further down this road of wanting to rediscover myself sexually. Yep. So what did I call her? Susie. Susie. I like being called Susie. <laughs> hey, Susie. Susie, I, I just want you to know, I mean, I know I'm a marital therapist and I'm a sex therapist and you know that, but I am not going to assign a sexual assignment or homework or anything to you before you are more than ready. So that's not what this is about as we talk about it. I'm not going to ask you to do anything and... I just, I really want to respect that you don't feel safe and you barely feel safe talking about it. Would it be okay if I ask a little bit of assessment questions just so I know maybe, I want to understand why there's been so much shutdown. One of the things you've told me is we fight about it and it makes things worse. Mm -hmm. So every time we talk about it, we fight about it, things blow up. And then when things blow up, is it just like silence between the two of you or you go your separate ways for a couple of days or what is that terrible thing that happens when you blow up after you've talked about sex? It's just a, a critique show of all the things that I don't do and mm. do wrong and what's mm. broken inside of me. And mm. it's like, it really don't matter what I try to do. It just, it totally doesn't work. Mm. So if you try or the two of you try to talk about it what happens inside is you get this message it's a critique it's a critique of everything you don't do all the things you do wrong your brokenness yeah i don't know that i would sign up for that either if you're going to be the bad guy and all to blame for everything is is that what you're saying you hear it's 100 percent my plan it's my problem mm-hmm. if i could fix myself we'd have a great sex life it's all on me mm. Yeah, that that hurts. That hurts to think about just all of that when when that when you get that message, it's all my fault. You know, what what do you feel inside? I feel like a just a sadness and a, like my chest it's hard to breathe. It would be sad, and I can imagine that Weight on your chest, hard to breathe. Yeah. That's 
That is so painful. And when I think about it like this, your husband's saying it's not working. You're thinking if we talk about it, it's just going to be me. I don't know how to fix this. I, I, I don't want to be ending up as just broken and what I'm not doing and what I am doing and how it's all my fault. And then you like feel sad and you can't breathe. That, yeah. that, that is a terrible place. And it, I want to just break for a minute. Of course, in EFT, we want to slice it thinner, you know, maybe just saying that over to our partner. That is actually the beginning of a conversation about sex. It's not a conversation about sex acts. It's not a conversation about orgasms yet, but it is a conversation about sexual attachment and that she's, as the withdrawer, she's already gotten this previous message that she's failed. So if you're at the bottom and you're an utter failure, very hard to want to think about new fun tricks to spice up your sex life, you know, or how you can have a better orgasm. So I definitely think the approach would be about the sexual attachment versus maybe even the assessment about what's happening. But I, back in my mind, you know, I'm going to have to know that eventually. What was being Susie was, again, really helpful, the normalizing. But when you start to highlight the emotional dilemma for me. Mm -hmm. I start to feel my own conflict because when it comes to those emotions, I often want to talk about those. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we, you know, we fall into our emotional cycle. But the moves of the sexual cycle become so entrenched, like I lose that ability to touch my emotional side. That's what the avoidance does. I don't want to fight. I don't want to feel that stuff. I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I keep cutting it off. So when you start inviting me to see the emotional costs to me mm. of this sexual cycle, mm. it starts to awaken in me like, yeah, I can feel that sadness. I can feel my chest not breathing. Mm. Like this really sucks and you're starting to get it. And when you start to get it, it it's like it starts to open up that part of me that wants to kind of engage more in this area. Mm -hmm. My empathy for you supports it. And you do want to talk about how terrible it feels to be always the bad guy, the, the one who's broken or not giving or giving the wrong thing. I, I agree. I think sexual withdrawers do want to talk about that, but they've never had room like to say, I feel so rejected here. I feel you know, like, I'm I'm so bad. I mean, sometimes there's a protest. Am I really that bad? And sometimes they, they do think they're that bad, mm -hmm. that they do think it's all their fault, and they're sure they're defective. And we don't know where Susie's at. It might be one or the other. I mean, she may think, yeah, I, I've never been very sexual. I really, I don't know about this part. I probably am broken. And there's just despair that she's defending against. And as the therapist, when you start to make space for that and respond to it, because Joe over there is probably not able to respond to it because he's caught up in the rejection of it all. Mm -hmm. But given me success in talking about sex and talking mm -hmm. about the emotional costs of what happens in sex is me starting to have a little bit of success in a sexual conversation. Mm -hmm. I think, again, that's critical for a sexual withdrawal, for a low desire person to want to continue taking more steps down this road. Before you know it, I've taken a couple steps with you. I'm doing the thing I said I don't want to do. Right, 
right? right. And that's the, the buy-in that we're trying to get over time with withdrawal reengagement. We're trying mm-hmm. to get them to see that there's big costs for them. And how they protect themselves makes perfect sense. But do they still need to protect themselves that way or could there be another way mm-hmm. if there was more safety? And as Lori starts to respond to me, I start to feel like, huh, maybe these conversations aren't so bad. They're not so difficult. Yes, I, I had a, a person that I work with who probably is the biggest sexual withdrawer, one of the biggest sexual withdrawers, female that I've ever worked with. And this week, she was able to say to her partner to describe her sexual world. And she said, you know, basically, I, I feel bad. I've, I've never been sexual. This is a really empty place. And she invited him in and he just sat with her in it for a little bit. And then his reflection was, especially over the block that she had, um, she had been sexual in the past and she had no idea what motivated her to be sexual in the past. It was completely repressed. And he said, wow, how, how awful, how empty, how black, how, how dark it is to not have any remembrance of that. You can't even access it. Mm-hmm. He was really empathic. You know, and most of the time he's angry because she doesn't really allow much room for sexuality between the two of them. And it's been many years. But he just, her opening up, not necessarily about the sex act, but just about her experience about her own sexuality, like let him in. She had success. Yeah, she did. She had success. And that's the overlap, right? The sexual cycle gives doorways into that emotional cycle that they could have some success in, which makes smooths the needle then back to the sexual cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. But I guess what I'm hearing, how does this sound to you? I'm, I'm hearing three steps come out of this conversation, Lori. The first step is all about pacing. And this, this low desire person has had good reasons to avoid sexual conversations mm-hmm. and sexual acts. So one, we got to connect and honor the function of the avoidance to -hmm. make them not feel blamed that they have really good reasons to avoid feeling Mm -hmm. bad about themselves. Yeah. After we do that, step two is to really see the costs of what these conversations have done, the pain, the hurt that that's caused, really open up some space to be seen in that place and to be responded to. Right. And once we have that, and you're giving this beautiful example of the partner responding, giving success in the place of emptiness or the, or the pain of it all. From there, the third would be then the new moves, right? What you could do differently, like more of those questions. Do you have an orgasm? What turned you on? What turned you off? Like the, the practical part of trying to kind of shift things towards the new moves. I think most therapists start with number three. No wonder why withdrawers don't want to engage, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not ready for it. They haven't had those two first steps of success, honoring their withdrawal, honoring, you know, the pain underneath it. I think you get buy-in when you do that, mm-hmm. which they're more open to then go to that new move in that third step. Now, does that make any sense, those steps of the order of that? Sure, it does. I, you know, I probably do start with number three a lot. I think what you're saying is what if you're blocked Mm-hmm. asking about the sex life itself. If you're blocked and, you know, you you got to have some other place to go. Yeah. If there's a withdrawal that 
indicates the person is just too rejected to go forward. Certainly, you don't want to keep pressing it like, well, you got to tell me, you know, how am I going to help you if you don't tell me what's going on sexually? I mean, I think any therapist worth their salt has to learn another move there, too. Yeah, for our listeners, too, resist that urge to keep pushing if you haven't connected first. You really got to get the person to see the value, to buy in, to go along with you in the conversation. If you're seeing they're blocked, we have to kind of start with that block. So low desire people out there, it's not so easy. And we really want you to have conversations that you're not so alone with what happens to you. It's not your fault. There's big relationship dynamics here that impact what happens. And the more that you can see the value and want to have these conversations for you and for the relationship, things can get better in whatever form that looks like. But it starts with the first step. And that first step is just really kind of honoring the good reasons you are where you're at. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.